like you. I still like you. I just don't want you to touch me anymore. That was so, a neck. Well, there, you know, he wants him to, her to move in. She says yeah. it's too soon. And they, they and he's kiss. He's kind of uh, mature about it. Yeah, but do you think that's what caused him to kind of go there? Like, do you think that's that started the ball rolling? No, it seems like he has a history of mental illness and something happened with the game mazes and monsters in his past. Which and never, like, it's no, yeah. when they, when she doesn't want to move in with him, our movie continues on and he's sane. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it wasn't like that and it was a breaking point. You know? Yeah. You know, it, his previous party members should show up in this movie. It would make a better film if we meet his previous D&D group. I guess. First off, wouldn't that be fun theatric as a cinematic experience to see two Dungeons and Dragons group in one movie? <laughs> I think that would be like worth my admission right there. Since you brought it up, I just want to say that this movie makes a horrible mistake in which it never goes all the way. Like a movie's supposed to give the viewer like an emotional roller coaster. I, I first realized that there's this scene in which uh he's biking the one way uh right. the handsome kid and the love interest is driving the other way she sees him and turn you turns but the thing is like in a movie if i was doing a movie i'd have it like they almost bumped into each other or something like show us something they got him up on the world trade center right Right. Now's the time for him to go over the wall and right to the edge, about to jump off. That's when you rescue him. You know, like the movie never... You, the, you, no one gets hurt in the cavern and is really lost, and now my foot is cut, and we got to carry him out. You he's going to... Look, yeah. I don't want to move in with you. There should be an emotional outburst. You know, like, take us on a trip here, writer-director. It's so it's so contingent to this game and this hysteria uh, that another I'm, hat. You know, one thing I should mention: uh, I I was reading a recent website, which I should have written down. Jesus Christ! Well, anyway, uh, it's written by Morgan Shawnette. Uh, I think it was USA Today or something. It was uh -huh. one of those. You won't believe this Stranger Things. It was a, the title was about Stranger Things. Yeah. Stranger Things has a D and D subplot where a kid plays D&D &D and he's considered satanic. And that's an Easter egg spoiler, by the way. I'm spoiling Easter eggs. Is but, that in the new one? Because I've seen all of them. I don't remember that. I'm yeah, sure in, the, in season four, there's the Hellfire Club, which Eddie Manson uh -huh. uh, is the dungeon master, and the town believes he killed Chrissy and is a satanist. And okay. in this article, they talk about the satanic panic that happens, satanic panic. Uh, I'm sure you know about those three kids, uh, but uh, in 1980, there was a book called Michelle Remembers, and this was someone had repressed memories and remembered that he, as a child, was part of a satanic cult, okay. and that kind of whipped up the satanic panic, and um, in fact, uh, some kid committed suicide in 1982, and his mom, Pamela, uh, thought what the reason was Dungeons and Dragons. I think I remember that as a news story. So she started a group called Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons in 1982. <laughs> Bothered. It's B-A-D-D, -D, Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons, bad. 
and she actually left the group in uh, 1990. So there was always this kind of hysteria about it. Uh, and then, of course, I, I was talking earlier, the guy's name was James Dallas Egbert III. He was the University of Michigan, the Michigan State University kid who was found uh, committed suicide in, right. in the cavern. So Egbert, I would have done it too. Really? If, his, if your name was Ed, Egbert? Good morning, Egbert. No, that was his middle name. What was his name? His middle name was Dallas. It was James Dallas Egbert with one G. Oh, Maybe okay. I'm mispronouncing it wrong. Maybe it's not a double hard G on there. Maybe it's Agaba. The third. <laughs> okay, look, he's like, hey, buddy, can I borrow your skeleton? He's going to set up a massive real life, like ahead of his time escape room uh, in the caverns. And he's borrowing skeletons. And in the book, there's a scene where he writes a clue that only Daniel can recognize. And the reason is he wrote the clue in Hebrew. Uh -huh. And it says, like, take a left here in Hebrew. And in the book, written by Ron Jaffe, the character himself is resentful that uh, it's clever that JJ used Hebrew and that he knew that Daniel was Jewish and that he knew some Hebrew. But he was also resentful of the fact that he was that for the same reason. That mm -hmm. he's doing this because he knows he's Jewish, and he just he felt like smaller. I think that's turned left. He yeah, I think he's small. So I, I thought that was interesting. You know, as a twelve-year-old Jewish kid reading this book, that I get the same kind of resentment when people kind of call out like, "Oh, you must know Hebrew," and I'm like, "Yeah, I do actually," but I don't well, appreciate from Hebrew it. Hebrew school, you know how you know how to read. Mura, the a teacher. That's all I know from Hebrew school. <laughs> uh, then, in in Spanish, it's turno izquierda. Turno a key. Turno a key. Turno a key. Grassy ass. All right. So now they're all in costume and they're going to go into this thing. And so for the audience, they were playing Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, Mazes so and Mazes Monsters. Mazes and Monsters. M&M. Character playing dies, and that kind of ruins it for all four of them because he can't really play anymore. He goes, I propose we kick it up a notch, and I will be the dungeon master in real life. Maze controller. Maze controller. Do you remember a a role playing game called Top Secret? Yeah, I do actually. The same publishing house. One Viewers time, Time Troll did a live game of uh, Top Secret with all kids in Montclair, and I was the main spy guy. That was the greatest day of my life. Never mind getting married. Never mind my children being born. The most fun I've ever had in my life was playing yes, right. Tom Troll's live action Top Secret game. Preach it. Oh, it was great, man. You know, I, I love it. Tell me more. So tell me how the game went. Tell me what well, you did. Well, I, I, I flew in, which was driving. I flew into the, and I went to the police station in Italy, which was Tom's house. And there somebody called from the red, what was the name of that terrorist group? The red. Uh, oh, I don't red know. It's been, you're talking 40 years. And there, there was a bomb in Wachung Plaza. I was like, holy shit. So I ran down to watch Young Plaza and who should be in Dino's Pizza, but all of like the players, including David Short. So I walked into D D Dino's Pizza and there was a tension in the air. So they were all staring at each other. A and it got to this breaking point in which David Short couldn't handle it anymore. So he takes his can of soda and throws it at the other guys in Dino's Pizza. And then the Dino guy kicked him out. And there was a big, it was just the greatest day ever. I found a secret note in the Wachung Plaza uh, statue. 
I infiltrated the red. What was their name? Red. I, I infiltrated. No, so the he did this whole thing. Like, do, did the kids enjoy themselves, or was it just you? This was a new day. I well, they were all playing their parts. I don't. I didn't interview them, but I think so. I I I had when I infiltrated the group, and they thought I was part of the. I went. We went to their hideout. And yeah. like a phone call came and I knew I was going to get exposed. So I opened the window and went out the window, went around to the lobby and we had a shootout. It was just the greatest day ever, man. It was like six it. hours of I'm a spy. So you would recommend our listeners to go out and LARP live action role play. Well, I mean, if Tom Kroll is your dungeon master, I mean, yeah, he really absolutely. Well. And a shout out to David Short. I love David Short. I, we worked at Pathmark together 40 years ago. I hope maybe we might have to bleep out his name, but just a big, big hello. No, I'm not bleeping out his name or Tom Kroll. All right. All right. Okay. Well, hello to those guys. Uh, <laughs> they're, look, they're real people in the real world. And if they want to sue me, they may. They may. David you know, Short, it's you. I brought it up last week, but our hometown of Montclair, which we're talking about, Montclair, New Jersey, also had a D&D controversy, alleged, like the, the story legend had it. The high school itself, Montclair High, which you can see in the last episode of The Sopranos, has an amphitheater, an outside famous amphitheater with a brook. And the brook goes through the building into a tunnel. And in the tunnel, there are like mazes and monsters or whatever. But there were stories of kids in the 70s, high school kids, getting lost inside the uh, Wow. And my, my neighbor who went to high school in the seventies was telling me about these stories about, you know, maybe one guy went crazy, but I don't know. It's all hearsay. I know that right. our, our middle school and it was Glenfield and the, the field was by a Glen, which was a quarry and the quarry had like its branches and you could get lost out there. But, uh, I heard more stories about the, the tunnel inside the high school. Mm -hmm. So sure. Everyone has stories like that. Maybe. What a very cool setting he set up for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even in the in the novel, he, like, did it meticulously. He's like, you know, you poo-poo his hats, but he does have a sense of uh, flair. Yeah, I'm really poo-pooing the writer. Okay, so it's not a real human skeleton. It's a anatomy. No. Right, he got it from his buddy that we saw in one scene. This is what I mean. Like, wouldn't it be cooler in the movie if he really goes to, like, the medical center where the cadavers are or whatever, and he talks to his friend? That's a real, you know, it's still got some flesh on it. I mean. So in our, in our version of Maze of the Monsters, I would like to have all four of them at the breaking point, not just Tom Hanks' character. Mm -hmm. And that they all, they all are going to descend in their own personal madness. But before they do, they realize that the other three are doing their own. They're like, hey. It's about me, guys. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, I'm the one who's supposed to get. The skeleton got yanked. Yeah, how does that work? I was wondering about that. Well, like, they were like, uh, what's his name? They're Robbie, where are you? Yeah, I don't think it's Robbie. Rob, Robbie is Tom Hanks. Uh, JJ yeah. is, the, is the. JJ, where are you? And then out of a voice out of nowhere, he goes, uh, you can't see me. I'm the maze controller. You can't see me. Never pay attention to, and then he's behind the scenes the whole Wait, time. Wait, where are you? You can't see me. Don't question me. Wait, how did you set up a sound system in the cavern? Yeah, don't, don't question, question me. me. What part? Don't question me. Don't you get? That doesn't make any sense. You would really have to work so hard. 
It's a movie. Of course, they yeah. can work hard. There's no effort. Daniel, like right off the bat, is like putting breadcrumbs on the ground, like rice. And that's what, and she's like, we need a clue. And she touches the rice. He's like, that's my rice to get out of the cavern. <laughs> that's right. He goes, she said, like, here's some, here's some seed, or I forget. Yeah, and he's like, hey man, that's my rice. Did you see me drop Don't it when we walk it. in? There? Don't touch it. You're touching my rice. <laughs> DC Dragon Maze Controller. She's touching my rice. They don't call him like a DM, right? That's a Dungeon Master. Dungeon Master. That's a dowel movement. The DM handbook. It's a dowel movement. Every morning I take a nice dowel movement. Yeah, I had I had to learn the hard way to take a BM, so I had the B, the BM handbook. Oh, <laughs> uh, like you know, this was shot in some studio. Yes, it, it had to be, even though there, because it doesn't really look. Okay, so I was in Arizona and there were these lava tubes. It was just like there was magma at one point and just made tubes. And so we went down into it. It gets freezing cold immediately. I'm talking Arizona here. It was a hot right. day. Arizona's hot. You go down into this cavern and immediately you're cold. And it wasn't a comfortable place. It was cold and humid, sticky on you with the cold. And you could absolutely slip. You had to walk cautiously. Okay, oh, he sees the yeah. Gorgon. Hey, like, Gorgon. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, when everyone gets there to help Tom Hanks, he will be Gorgon, right? Well, all right, well, Tom, Tom Hanks is completely, like, he stabs him. Or stabs the monster. We don't want to ruin the story for the viewer, right? That we're what, no, what, so Let's not bring up that later on, by mistake... Oh my god. Well, this movie is 82 and what better way to celebrate 82 than Times Square in New York City. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like we go straight to New York City in the early 80s. People today don't know Times Square in the 70s and 80s was just a a disgusting place of pornography and serious drugs, heroin and stuff. Yeah. It was a bad scene. We watched and, the documentary uh, Night of the Juggler on our show. Right. James, yeah. Me and Tom Kroll, we used to go into New York uh -huh, to, go to Times, Times Square. Square, and there would be pornographic movies, and you could buy marijuana. I mean, we're 15, 16 years old. We're going to New York, Mom. Have a good time. We'd get on the 66 bus, and we would go in ill. We were just right. learning about life, and it was a mistake. You would get out, you get out of the Port Authority and go, let's walk a half a block. We yeah. walked a half a block. We're in Times Square. Let's do it. That's exactly right. Oh. Look at the wind blowing her hair. You don't mind that. This isn't Florida wind. It's they're obviously in Canadian city studios, just cranking out this thing. So are they in know. a VW Rabbit, just like um, Gone in sixty seconds? Oh yeah, do you think they'll be in a car chase? No, that the, we made a joke because the 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 doors were up. It looked like yeah, right. Moved. So like this yours. is definitely a Volkswagen, but I, I just wonder if it's a Jetta or a... Oh, so we were slow motion because this is this was a TV movie, as we said. But however, anything with Tom Hanks, is, you can't bury it. So this was a DVD release. And uh -huh. this has been re so if you ever type in Mazes and Monsters, you'll find it. And you'll find a huge face of Tom Hanks, like 
the angels and demon looking Tom Hanks. Right. Looking oh. over his shoulder. Interesting. Angels and demons. You know, and it's funny because I was reading the uh, user reviews on IMDb and someone right. just said, I thought this was going to be about real monsters. It's like a fantasy movie. <laughs> I didn't realize it was about kids playing a role playing game. Yeah. Right, well, so, he's probably so, old. Now, this is it. This is where the movie changes. Okay, this is his dream again about the. I am the great hall. Once you gloried in killing, now you are the higher level. The highest level you must be holy in all your life must be pious, pious, humble, humble, celibate. Well, I got the highest of the humble. What's the third one? But I want the glacier of the fighter. But I want to dip it yeah, in. That's right. A uh, juice sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, gotta... What did you just say? You did. What did yeah. you say? Oh, want to dip it in, uh, Jesus. Yeah, you know, you get yourself a French dip. You want to dip that meat in the juice, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, Mike, the old Mike is back. I love it. I actually I actually thought about that watching this movie. Like, he can't dip it. <laughs> no juice. No oh, juice sauce. <laughs> no juice for you. No juice for you. It's such a weird note. Like, I don't know if it was in the original novel that he has to, you must be humble. Sure, I, people tell me I'm humble. Highest. Oh, yeah. Right away. Yeah, you I'll be very Ed Sullivan. Sure, I'll be. What? what? Hi. You want oh. me to be celery? Listen, if you please, could you just get your vagina away? Yeah. I just. Okay, please. Okay, please move it. I... Hey, I. I can't be with you anymore. What? I have to be celibate. Now this movie, he should have a reaction. I mean, you can see she's hurt. She's a good actress and everything. But I'm saying, as a director, as a writer, he should. We need to go on the emo emotional roller coaster with her now. I know? think she does. She does a fine job. It's not. I mean, it's the script sucks. Yep. Script sucks. I'm not talking. Okay. Yes, we are saying the same thing. Yeah. I think that the movie as a story doesn't take us on an emotional journey the way a movie's supposed to. It's supposed to be that it, it, every scene you enter like negative and you leave it positive. And then you enter the next scene positive and then it turns negative. You're supposed to be going into the, on this like, thrilling the viewer. What's gonna happen? Oh, now she's pissed. <laughs> well, you know, the movie starts off with a newscast outside the cavern. And you have ambulances, you have police, you I mean, you have the newscaster, you have the, the, the haggard uh, Mayor Vaughn for fucking Jaws. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Police chief or detective. It never really pays off. They never return to that place. No, they do return to that place. It's a total fake out. I will tell our audience right now, nobody dies. Nobody yeah, dies. that's what I mean. Like we Nobody gets murdered. Nobody goes so psycho that they... Uh, Put some salt on that, Daniel. That's too much salt, dude. And wh why don't you have ketchup on your... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're Canadian. You'll notice the mayonnaise on the side. Shh. Actually, no. Look, ketchup and mustard is what we right see. Right there. Yeah, you should put some ketchup. 
it's right there. Maybe he doesn't see it. Maybe the the napkins in the, the way. Button, no, he yeah, sees he sees that. Look, it. That is eight ounces of cola. That's a lot of cola <laughs> in '82. Now you get like a mega glass. I remember Jolt Cola came out in the Love early Jolt. '80s. Was it the early '80s? I forget. Yeah, '80s, mid '80s, maybe. I think it was later 80s. I loved it. Twice the sugar, all the caffeine. Right. And everyone ran out and gave that soda a, like a big bump. And then the people in the office were like, we're going to be millionaires. But un unfortunately for them, it was a fad. And after people had a few Jolt, co jolt Colas, they thought, I, I did that once. Yeah. They're done. You can see Jolt Cola in Gremlins 2. Oh, yeah. The executive is drinking it. But that was funny. Well, they're concerned. And what about his, um, his blessing people all the time and giving his stuff away and acting so holy? Staying in character. Yes, I know, and that's exactly what I'm worried about. He's right. taking his fantasy character so much into real. He thinks there's going to be a murder. It's a fake out. This yeah. movie starts out with a false alarm. He's not even in the caverns. We were talking about Times Square. They all yeah. think he went to the cavern. He's lost in Times Square. He's like Jason when he took Manhattan. He got off the boat. He walked in the pier. Somebody attacks him. He kills him. He tell gets me about that that movie. It was like he's the police chief. Looking, what is that movie? Uh, Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah, what is that? So it's Friday the Thirteenth, and the idea is that now Jason's not in the summer camp anymore. He's in Times Square killing people. However, it's a fake out. If you watch the movie, Jason has to get to Times Square somehow. So he's on a right. boat. And teenagers are on the boat. And basically, the entire movie is the boat ride. And Jason's, like, killing people on a boat. And when he arrives on the pier, I guess, the Hudson Pier, as it were. Right. Uh, my balls are blue. Good. <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing your... You're doing it right. Present your balls. Do I have to present? Okay. Look. All right. All right. Oh, oh, they're blue as smurf berries. Good job, dude. <laughs> Keep it a celibate. Oh, you got restraint. Great wizard. I looked up the word celibate. I thought you were talking about celery, which I was cool with, but you know. <laughs> Just a bit. Yeah. I, you know, I dabble in eBay. I sell a bit. Look, so here we go. This is the scene you're talking about. He sees her, him riding back. Does a Yui. Yeah, see, that's this is the point in which I realized I was like, she could have like almost hit him. He swerves away or something, and she goes, Whoa, that was uh so that was Mr. Handsome, you know. Also, he like they go into the cavern. Now I'm thinking they're calling for each other, right? And they find each other. It would be so much better if they he was calling, you know, and he she finds him injured. And then she's got to, with her, like, all the strength she can muster, rescue him and get him out of there. I don't know. I think the film, it still could have been the same length of scene, and we would just, I don't know. Well, it's a TV movie, right? So they have to yes. fill the two hours. And they drop the ball. I think. Yeah. I, I wish the cavern paid out. There, there is no peril in the, in the, in the cavern. There yeah, is no like that's right, and that's the perfect setting for it. Because I've been in the I've been in the tunnels in the high school. You only go so far. Wait, you have? 
I just, you know, you walk on the brook and you. you okay, so of... in the amphitheater, you jump right. into the brook and you start heading for that bridge, which mm -hmm. is the street. Is that where you enter the? I think there was like an entrance in the high school in the freshman building. Okay. But it's been a while, obviously. In the annex, Georgina's annex. Yeah. Did you, did you, now there's no like, he's not there, right? They're right. not going to find him in the cavern. Him. And they, they get really kind of peeved and they go to the worst police station. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about last week we watched Society and then you were kept calling that the cop is just as terrible at his job. He's just a total prick. Yup. This character wait, wait. Yeah, this guy, go ahead. Murray Vaughn or whatever his name is. He, uh, he's just like, he just doesn't give him the time of day. And at one point he just says, listen, to be honest with you, he's probably dead. Right. Yeah. I remember that. I was like, wow, this insensitive bitch. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Telling his friends. Chances are likely. Chances are likely. He's hanging from a stagmite. Is it stagmite or stagmite? The lag tight? What is it stalagmite? called? Stagmite. Well, there's one that hangs from the ceiling and there's one that, right. comes, one that comes up from the ground. Stalagmite, stalactite, something like that. Yeah. I just remember copolite, which is fossilized dinosaur dung. Uh, yeah, copolite. Uh, corporolite. Uh, corporolite. I forget. You made me forget. I would know that if you just asked me straight out. Well, because I'm sure. Didn't you ever go? Hey, can I copolite? So, <laughs> and I was like, "Ew, gross!" No, gross. Was, do you want dinosaur dung? Get out of here! Go. I'm not fossilizing dung for you. I dabble in eBay. I sell a bit. <laughs> is that funny? Should I try to make that? Yeah, I like that. Are you celibate? Yeah, I sell a bit on eBay. I dabble. On eBay. Skyline High School in Oakland, I believe. Or Sky Lane. It was fuzzy, the A&E biography I watched. On eBay, what? Facebook Marketplace. Now, this is not the first movie adaptation for Rona Jaffe. Her oh. first novel from 1958, The Best of Everything, was a huge success. And then the next year, Joan Crawford starred in the movie. And they're both like, it's about, she, she, when she started, she was really young. Like, she started working uh, uh, at Fawcett Publications in the 40s. Like she, and but she was 25 years old. She was an editor. And her novel, The Best of Everything, is about five employees at a publishing house. Okay. And, uh, so Joan Crawford, and it was a huge movie. And then her foundation, as I was mentioning, it stopped in 2020, uh, but it would reward like female authors, like mm -hmm. give them an endowment so they can write. And uh, now she must have been young because I mean that's the 40s, and here we are in the 80s, and she's relevant with Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I can never tell, like, she's written 16 novels, so I don't feel like she's ghostwritten them. You know, like, some of these authors become names and become brands, and by necessity, oh, and then, mm -hmm. you know, if you're Danielle Still, there's no reason why you shouldn't be ghostwritten, because it's beyond yourself as an author. It's, it's a thing, you know, if you're Tom Clancy. I suppose, yes. Um, it's Stephen King never. Goes, do you think uh, Reacher, the Lee Childs, do you think he ghostwrites his stuff? I don't I wouldn't have a clue of like why I would make the guess, you know? 
but these are all serialized stuff. Her stuff was more, you know, there were different books, different characters. I don't know if she's ever done it like a sequel in her, in her stories. Yeah. So her, uh, father was a principal and her mom was the daughter of a construction, uh, heir. Like, okay. Uh, yeah, that's all I really, oh, one no. of her books is called Mr. Wright is dead, which I thought was cool. She well, then how did he write if he's, how did the book come out? If... Okay, no. now you see they just kissed and now they're going to become boyfriend and girlfriend. Here is an opportunity for our movie to get Hanks a little crazy and then right. do some incident and then he focuses himself. No, I'm celibate. I think it's more, right I, th thing. I think it's more just character development between Daniel and, and Katie because what Daniel is saying, he's a lover's boy, right? And even the JJ kind of calls him out. He says, yeah, you're a ladies' man. And he's like, yeah, but this reputation kills me for getting a real romance. Like, right. no one wants to be romantically involved with me because I have this, uh, you lady know, killer. lady killer uh, uh, perception. And it hurts. Like, sure, I can get anonymous uh, here and there, but I sure, don't I do have well a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, she's, they just had this chat. And she's like, you know, you're a lot deeper than you come across or whatever. Like he, she basically says what he wants to hear. Yep. And they're falling in love. And what's another thing that's interesting, Carl, about TV movies. And I don't know if it was in the book, but you know, like the TV season starts on, on trust in the fall, right? You have the fall season and school oh, Ted starts Danson in the fall. Is in this. Yeah. Yeah. He makes a cam. It's his earlier appearance. It's a pre three <laughs> tiers. Okay, so you've got your fall lineup. Yeah, so you have fall lineup, and school starts in the fall. So sometimes you have shows about school, right? You're Welcome Back, Carters, right. and because it lines up. And this movie kind of lines up because it takes place after Christmas. They aired it after Christmas. Okay. But it starts school, which is September, and now you have October, the Halloween. So I feel like you're approaching Christmas in this film, which as a viewer, the film has. So I just feel like everything is lined up with the holidays. Everything's lined up with, like, the way the, the TV series starts. I don't know. I, 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 I sound abstract, but I feel like it's appropriate for a television movie bring up these holidays and have it air in December because these holidays just happen. Like you okay. see this, yeah. yeah. So it's on your mind as a... I think there's always, like, television is always calendared, right? You always have a Thanksgiving episode. You always have a, a, a Christmas episode. Yes, you always have a Christmas episode no matter what. Yeah, and even with streaming shows, that Hawkeye show, they premiered in December. It was all about Christmas. It was an entire season about Christmas. Let me be the first uh, to wish you this year, Michael. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Oh, my God. I feel Merry Christmas to you, Carl. I, I, I can't believe here we are Let's in July. Let's play some Christmas music. Okay. Ready? Let's take our yeah, traditional okay. Christmas music. Christmas, 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 you know, yeah. bachelor party. Early Tom Hanks. It's bosom buddies, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Because Tom Hanks, God bless him. There's cycles and people know him from the cycles. You know, I know him as the man from one red shoe, bachelor party, jokey volunteers. Uh, volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, Splash, I guess. Well, I guess Splash established him as, okay, this guy could be box office. It was, this movie's a big hit. Well, Big was huge. I actually saw that in Oakland, actually. Oh, was Big was a big hit. That, I mean, that's, is that a, that's not funny. No, no, no. It's... <laughs> <laughs> wow, look at his jacket. Well, it's, it's, it's a leather jacket and a sweater. Yeah, it's cold out. Baby, it's cold <laughs> outside. Maybe I like to sweat. So yeah, no, no Hanks. Let me ask his roommate, uh, Hildy. Now look, his money is there. His wallet, like he's missing now. He has disappeared. They asked his roommate, Hildegard. Who is Hildegard? Remember from Bosom Buddies? It was Kip and Henry. Oh, and they had to dress up as women. That's so who, right. Yeah. They had these ridiculous names. What if we did Some Like It Hot every week? That was back when you had the uh, opening credits of a sitcom explain the story week after week. So yep. you had a Every fully time. licensed song that they can't rebroadcast in syndication, right? So you had the Billy Joel song. And then you also had, it starts off with this, like, you know, my friend Kip and I, we're young guys in the city. And yeah, I just can't get a break. The Fresh Where Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, well, the that whole was story. The whole story. It's the story. Of like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expert. Every show would Every tell show you the would whole give premise. you the premise. Bosom well, Buddies actually had like the premise and the song separate. Okay, here's another opportunity. They call up the drunk mom. Right, who has right? A, a glass in their hand. Yeah. It goes, he wasn't in class. And she's like, does he do that all the time? I mean, it was our film's opportunity for her to like, freak out on the girl yeah. on the phone um our hero heroine on the phone and give her emotional stress we're coming down there no no there's no need man well this Who is are you, you we're going to pitch a streaming tv show based on mazes and monsters will be a six season show premise but we'll have like i just want the mom to do something like it's nice that the parents show up like in yes. 82 when we were kids we were like whatever we relate to the to the players but, you know, you get older, you're like, oh, there's parents involved. How cute. But they don't do anything. Right. Like, she should have said, oh, no, not Mazes and Monsters. I want to meet you guys over at the right. Dave's Cookies shop. Right. Or Mrs. Fields or something. She heard, like, scary music and goes, Mazes and Monsters again. You yeah. don't understand what happened last time. Hello? We have a bad connection? Meet me at the arcade at Times Square. Meet me at the Pac-Man pop-up. Come on, ratchet up the tension movie. Yeah. We've it got was, a missing person here. Do you know why he was kicked out? Like you have like a previous Eminem player show up and be like, he went really into his character, man. That's why my streaming show will be episode after episode. It'll be eight hour episodes. Yes. And it's, it's an eight hour movie, Carl. <laughs> and uh, there'll be a scene where you have backstory. It will start off with a flashback episode four. Like, even the choice of this car. Like, we're watching a movie, so... They took the Canadian some States eye off. candy. Give me, you know... No, it's a movie. You have eye candy. You have Hasgood Hardy singing these original songs, right? Everyone's young. Hmm? What? Who? I'm saying... Hasgood like the... Hardy? What? 
there's production to this show, the movie. Uh-huh. There's, it's the music. Who cares about the, the car? Is always whatever sponsor. You know how television works. If it's the director's car, you can borrow mine. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not. This isn't good. All right. Then after Tom Hanks, like I guess uh, he won back to back Oscars. You remember after that for Splash? No, not this oh. is in the nineties. It was uh, Philadelphia, and then Forrest oh, Gump. Right, Philadelphia. As actor, Forrest Gump too, huh? Yeah. Was it Forrest Gump or was it Saving Private Ryan? Well, Saving Private Ryan certainly more Oscar worthy. I don't know. That was ninety nine or yeah. He like has that. a weird, like not a weird reputation. I don't know if you've ever seen the Simpsons movie. He shows up as himself, and he says, "If you see me, please ignore me." You know, and I thought that was a very real moment. Like, he's a private guy. I just saw the recent tabloid footage of them, him and Rita Wilson, his uh, walking out of the airport, and uh-huh. paparazzi accidentally trips Rita Wilson, and he goes, what? "Come on, guys!" He like breaks his cool. That's yeah. not cool. Get out of our way. And all the paparazzi is like, "Sorry, Mr. Hanks. Sorry, Tom. Oh, sorry, Tom. Okay. Sorry, Mr. Hanks. Sorry, Mr. Hanks." And they're scolding that paparazzi. Yeah. That tripped. You know, we're sorry, Mr. <laughs> it's a real, it's a real moment, but. I think he's a private guy and you allow his privacy saying he's Mr. Nice guy or saying he's a mean bastard. Just let him be. I mean, like I'm uh-huh. sure he's, I'm sure he's a bit of both. Right. There's and no also, things- Michael, yeah. every time I am ever around a famous person, which has happened a million times, I leave them alone. Yeah. I don't even say, hi, I love your movies. Just leave them alone. Leave them alone. It's it's a thrill to be in their presence. I don't need a selfie. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 But Tom Hanks is always like Mr. Nice Guy. There's actually a documentary which I wasn't able to see from this year called Tom Hanks Hollywood's Mr. Nice Guy. Really? Yeah. That the, sounds like a Keanu Reeves story. Right. He has that that rep too. Yeah. This director, by the way, directed directed Keanu Reeves in one of his earliest roles too. He's one of those guys. Uh, was it the TV movie you talked about? Okay. No, well, that was that was a that was like a real people for kids on Nickelodeon. That was called oh, oh, great, yeah. and he was right, just like on he was on the street yeah. reporter at that point. Hey, so I I heard you uh, you have a big band of rubber bands. That's that's right, Keanu. Uh, it's Keanu. <laughs> that's right, Keanu. Keanu Reesberg. Don't forget Is that a Hawaiian name. I I you know what I don't know. Do you ever see the movie Keanu? That was good too. The yeah, Keanu. that was good. It had nothing to do with Keanu Reeves. Now we're not gonna. I don't want the Kitridge kid spilling out on the a half-assed autopsy on a fish. <laughs> hear his voice. Oh, okay. Hang on a sec. You know, we, we, we missed it. The... But you said he was your good friend. Yeah. yeah what the fuck, guy? All I know is that he mentioned him once or twice. Yeah, they kind of do this chicken shit where they they don't want to get in trouble, but they kind of let the cops know that so someone might be lost. They don't want to let the police know they went to the caverns and they fucked around yeah. in there because it's off limits. Although there's no danger in the film, you know. It yeah, right. One trip is all you need. Like yeah. someone going, "Oh, be careful there." That's right. There is no peril. Oh, man. Look at that. That's her dorm room. Sweet. Listen, I'm not saying this movie's bad. I mean, they did their job. It's just a TV film, and it's just, you know, they threw it together or whatever. I'm just saying they've missed opportunities here to really take us on a... It, it never 
this film never emotionally engages you. Well, like, the dialogue is cheesy fun. It's exploitative, right? It's based on this, this story. It's kind of based on the, the current satanic panic right. uh, that was going because, on. So let's capitalize on let's it. Let's capitalize on it. And the book knocked it off and they, and they made a movie out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and it's the dialogue. I think is is the star of this movie, which is just so. Which is. Oh, it's when I came along. What do you guys think happened? Here we go. One of the players Robbie played with got carried away and killed him. That's kind of far out. Mazes and monsters is a far out game. Wait, so, so we, we are learning the backstory of the spells. Battles, no, it's a fake out, Carl. This is all in the cop's head. The cops is saying, yeah, I think he murdered someone. That sounds like a great movie. Let's watch this movie you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. That's yeah, great. that's the thing, too, is like there's some sympathy to the characters, which is nice, you know, especially because we're talking about mental illness. Like he doesn't go on a no one does get killed in this movie. Right? No, no, there is sympathy to the characters, but we are watching a movie. It's I take it back, Carl. He does kill somebody, doesn't he? You talk about New York City in oh, the night. Oh, that's right. The Gorn. Yeah. The only Star Trek connection. You don't even know what I'm talking about. I what thought it was like Gary Gygax. They were making fun of the guy's name. Like uh -huh. the guy who created Dungeons and Dragons, right? His last name is Gygax or something yes, like that. Yes, right. So the, isn't it like a Gygaxian monster they have to fight in this? Thing? I did. I like I said. I only do watched research. it one time last night as I was falling asleep. Why were you doing that? Why not? Why not uh, watch yeah, why it? Not? I'm gonna why see not? it tomorrow morning. So. So this is the real map JJ was hiding from. Okay. Them. So the thing is, they were supposed to get rid of, destroy, or hide all of the evidence that they went into the caverns. So when he pulls out the map, the map that's our director and writer's chance for them to say what the hell man you idiot you know really give but, us an emotional but that's like the scorpion the frog he's like what did you expect i control mazes of course <laughs> i held the map i was proud of it he does say. okay so now we're, we're circling back to the beginning scene oh we are yeah okay so now they're searching for a body who's not there he's in Times square and they give this ludicrous like yeah, be careful. Look, mazes and monsters. Mazes and monsters. My kids play it. See, now we go to the original. Hello, mazes and monsters is the real monster here. Are they saving a buck by reshowing footage? Not really. Yeah. Look, that guy's twirling the mic. Oh. Only people who have gone to carlsucks.com will know what I'm talking about. Tell me your story about twirling the mic. I twirl the mic. That's all. Oh. There's no story. I thought, like, then some comic dropped it on the ground. You know, when you have a truth bomb, you have to drop the mic. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's right. Why did you drop an equipment owned by the bar? I forget about this. What did he just put on the... He put a manila envelope on the windshield of one of the cops. What, what is? I don't know. Hey, uh, Here we go. Martini? Here you go. Don't stay on it. All right. What's up? What's what we came to find out? We haven't had much luck. I like the hats. At this point, the hat's the only personality quirk in this film. 
Yeah, like, remember we thought he dropped it, but he's still wearing. He's wearing like a very respectful. Yet yeah, it would be as if he was not a weirdo. He was just yeah, stylish. Yeah, got to go to this down to the station. This guy, I did research him. Like out of all the other actors, because uh, he's been in over like a hundred television shows and shit like that. Who are we talking about here? Murray the, Hamilton is the his name. Of, best, I was yes. looking in the best interests of the town. Now, uh, Carl, you may also seen him on Kojak, uh, McLeod, McMillan and Wife, uh-huh. uh, Police Story, Medical I remember Center. that one. I remember that episode. He, his last role, he played the president in this movie, which if it was on YouTube, we would watch it. It's called oh. Oops Apocalypse from 86. <laughs> uh, that's the one where Michael Richards shows up in blackface, if you're, count- if you're wow. counting. Wow. Yeah, so he plays the president. He plays like a Ronald Reagan in that. He's, uh, I know him from BJ and the Bear. Uh, he was also in 1941, Emmyville Horror. Uh, yeah, Emmyville Horror. Yes, he yeah, was. he was Father Ryan. Uh, and also, I know him from the movie "If It's Tuesday, It Must Be Belgium," which is about a never American... on Tuesday. Never on Tuesday. Actually, I almost made that a movie for us because it's on YouTube. If it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium. It's about American tourists going around Europe, and it's just I don't know. I couldn't do it. Okay, Gunsmoke, Doctor Kildare. He was known for like a. He, he started off in the '40s as a Broadway guy, and okay. uh, he was in Mr. Roberts was his big role. He actually got to do the lead, and uh, he's also known in The Hustler. He tried to take down Paul Newman, and uh, he's also Mr. Robinson in the movie The Graduate. That's right. He's the dad. Uh, yeah. You know that song, uh, "Goodbye, Mr. Robinson." I remember she he. She accused uh, what's his name of raping him, her. Or, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But and um, then, uh, his last role was he'll never lose. To... Go ahead. His last role was he was the dad in, in Golden Girls. He was Blanche's dad, and he passed away in season one. And they had an actor replace him in season two. That is disrespectful. Well, you know. Now, uh, yeah, that would... look Slayer. Here we go. Now here's real Tom Hanks. After 40 minutes, an hour and a half, a movie that starts off with a with a reporter saying there's some kind of tragedy in the cavern, a missing person. This guy, he's never was in the cavern the entire right. movie. He's My, just been walking around like some suburban kid. Wait, you see in the there. background, I was about to claim they were staying away from the sleaze. Um, right. Uh, but I movie. saw some flesh in the background. See, Times Square was far away across the street, and then he was walking with his back to all the smut. Now, I don't know. I think they are trying to hide Times Square's raunchiness here. That's a good point. Oh, look, they're searching for his friend, so he's wearing his deer hunter hat. It's Sherlock Holmes. Oh, that is... Okay. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's the only personality. Yeah, you're right. We we got to... Uh... Not admire it, but but stick with it because it's all this movie's given us. You know, one of the great TV trivia I've heard was that uh, in the monkeys, Michael Nesbitt's character was originally going to be called Wool Cap. Oh, right, I've heard that. Yeah, and he said, "Fuck you," <laughs> right? Basically, yeah. in whatever is in the late Michael Nesbitt's way. I'm Wool Cap. Right. And didn't he like not wear it in the last season or something? As a yeah, time? right, absolutely. He took it off shortly thereafter. Here is Times Square. Look at that. A seedy liquor store. 
Oh, scaffolding. Oh, the CD scaffolding. How can they well, show that? We saw on TV? a little flash there. Look, respectable couple. Uh oh. Uh -oh. Not respectable it's couple. It's the, the Gorn. Gorn. So this is one thing about this film is that I think Tom Hanks might have like he he commits a crime right now. He look never how they're like the 80s. We're thugs. Right. This is what a thug should look like. And it wasn't true in the real world. Now, where's the alleyways? Sword? Where's his what? Sword. Oh, uh, I think he takes it from one of the guys. He's running down Crime Alley by the, the theater showing the <laughs> Mark of Zorro. Crime Alley. <laughs> Not a good sign. Mom, Dad, let's go down Crime Alley. That was a great movie, The Mark of Zorro. Oh, man, I can't believe the Wayne family went to see that together. Dead end. Uh-oh. Oh, gee, fellas. Yeah, he has that Tom Hanks voice going on. It's amazing. Here comes the Gorn. Is that his spell or something? His talisman? I know we're playing the... Uh... The hearty soundtrack. All right, so yeah, he he believes it's the monster and his talisman. Now he pulls he out. It's not his own knife. Yeah, his sword. Yeah. He basically kills a man on TV oh. and, and never gets called out for it. That's right. He just gets um. Look, he just did it. He did. He stabbed him in the chest. Ooh. I'm out of here. He doesn't run <laughs> okay, back. He's and help. not dead. He's not dead. Are we going to see any flesh? No, it's a comic. No, book it's store. a comic book store. Spider Man was on it. Oh, there's Ko Jelly on my knife. Better go to the arcade. What Could is be. this mayonnaise doing on my knife? Well, it's Canadian. Uh, we didn't have. Yeah, we were having French fries, so what else would I bring out? Is that an arcade in there? Those were so cool back in the 80s. Yeah, Square. I used that to... didn't go move forward. I mean, we had our home game systems, and there was right. no reason to make a... You didn't but need were... to go to the arcade. But like, at Times Square, it was based on the arcades from the 50s, and, like, so they would still have the old-school, like, pinball and old-school, like, weird pseudo-gambling machines. Okay, now... He realizes he killed somebody. Now, she's a good actress the way she pretends to be tired. I hate in movies when they're like, hello, like when a dog <laughs> is immediately ready to go. Oh, That's I hate it when the, the phone rings and you hear him audibly sigh, and then they they turn the clock to a certain angle so they see it's 4 a.m. Right. Yeah. Let's uh, listen. I'm on my life. Nice. Which isn't the heart of Times Square. 40th and 8th? Right. It's the other side of Port Authority. Right. But he ran. He ran away. The fashion district. But he ran. Listen, when you stab someone in Times Square, you're not going to call from the, <laughs> the phone booths right out there. Right, right. Everyone right. knows you're that. Run. You're yeah, right. run. You got to find an available working phone booth, at, uh, you know, maybe about 40th and 8th. There were all, all, they were always available and working back in the oh, day. Oh, but there was always oh. lies and people would fucking go nuts if you would make a second call and i made a mistake 
as a young impressionable young man i call i hung up and i redialed and i called a different number and the guy behind me goes hey what the fuck yeah i know i'm waiting my turn here can i have a turn already can i have a turn well all right now our our uh, jj i think this is the reason why we started off with jj's house okay she said meet us at jj's brownstone or whatever that's probably why the film started there because we yeah look at that 42nd street there was also a a show called that was that rocko well 42nd street what that was a broadway play this is open 24 hours but i don't know what it is ah the old 8th avenue subway oh they look they're waiting in line for the phone but he's in a trance. He doesn't realize what's going around. Yeah, he's no, overwhelmed. He, he sees the Gorn again. But no, he doesn't. He thinks he sees no. the guys. He, yeah, so, well, I think he realizes he, he stabbed somebody. So that derails him from his trip. He goes down the subway, but somehow right. he gets to the lower level of the subway. But don't you think it makes sense if you've been yeah. hanging out in caverns and in, in yeah. school? Right, you're going into a dungeon. Right. I don't think I ever got my way through there. And I think it was creative the way they handled his conversation with the bum, if, if I'm allowed to call him that. He's a TV bum, we're going to say? The homeless yeah. person. Too bad yeah. they didn't get flowers, Buck Flowers. To... To Can do, it oh, Buck Buck. be that you just open a door and you're in the Maybe abandoned? it's possible. But why would you open the door in the first place? So, I mean, he did something that wasn't expected. And we didn't see him pay the turnstile, that's for sure. Right. We saw him hop over it while Billy Joel music played. <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to pay. That was a Billy Joel record. Yeah. The, well, that, they, you know, the syndication, they weren't able to play the song because they had to pay uh, royalties every time they did. So, they didn't want to uh, do it? Yeah, it's too expensive. Wow. Yep. Wow. Okay, so you'll notice that the Twin Towers is in this movie. And in the last act, it's going to be the main point. As Carl mentioned, we're going to go on the roof of the Twin Towers. Yeah, and... now, the thing is, I went to the observation deck. And here, it sort of looks like that was a place that you weren't allowed to go. I agree with you. And also, you'll notice they'll say the escalators, roof closed. Yeah. And that they have a, the escalators are closed. Yet somehow they get to the roof. Well, they they just there became steps. But if the roof's closed, they wouldn't be able to get to the steps to the roof. No, they, that's what the alarm was going off. Remember, they ran through where Tom Hanks went. Set oh off my the god! Alarm. Seriously, honest to God, there must have been so much security. Like they're not going to have somebody get to the roof on their own. You're well, what, right about that. It's just so, a film. You're right. Well, hang on a second. So the Twin Towers are what? Built in the 70s, and then you had the guy who uh, did the cross uh, cross rope? Crosswalk. Yeah, the, that's right. The French uh, trapeze, uh, French, um, yeah, he was a performance artist, and he walked across on a tight- Yeah. Oh, my God. So scary. So scary. And then uh, I'm sure the security. So anyway, he, this is the different premise he's in. He's underneath the subway and he hears the train above and he thinks, of course, it's the dragon. Right. And, and I think it's creative the way he, you know, they handled the talking to the homeless person. Because it, it, this guy comes off a little. 
he says, what's your name? The guy says, I, you know. Yeah. And he goes, I'm the king of France. I'm the king he of goes, France. your majesty. He bows down in Tom Hanks' way. And he, so he, he shows respect to the guy. And then when the guy's talking to him, the guy realizes that Tom Hanks is like on the subway a dragon. Yeah. And you can see in his face that he, I'm going to afford him the same respect this guy's giving me. I don't know. I mean, it, it is a good moment in this movie. Whoa! You don't have to fear me. I am part two. I am a holy man. Right? I'm the king of French. <laughs> oh, your majesty. your majesty. Finally, the film is giving me what I'm looking for. Right. I have been on a very long quest. I, I'm going to pause it there, but... Why? We can't, we're not getting sued, Mike? I don't know, years. How long have you been down here in the tunnel? I've been to find another place. You just don't seem to. Can you tell me of the giant dragon? On my travels here, I heard. Oh, right, here's the part where the guy's dragon? like, Dragon? Yes, the giant dragon. The, the one above. There he is. Oh, uh, yeah. About that. Don't go up there. Stand guard over the treasure. Oh, the treasure, right? You say. You are very wise. You Perhaps very you wise. can help me. Perhaps you can help me. I am in search of the Great Hall. I remember this scene because it was finally like, okay, now we're watching a movie. Yeah, yeah, no, no. All right, so he's gonna get it's gonna get up to the Twin Towers. Right. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like they play it earnestly. These ridiculous lines they do for the for the role playing. They they deliver deliver, and he, he is Tom Hanks, you know, yeah. and. He has this like gravitas and uh, lightness cadence to his, his voice. Yeah, his cadence is direct, but it really does have like this gravitas. I don't know. It doesn't wow, how lucky a parking space right in front of the thing <laughs> you're going to. We'll take it. Very Pull over easy. there. And leave the windows down and unlock the car. No, no, this is a this is his uh I guess his private townhouse or whatever. It is. Yeah, no, so well, this... it's his apartment building, but yeah, it's a richy rich place. So maybe they have that spot available for the ballet. Mm -mm -mm. Is can't... there a ballet? Because there's no parking lot to take it to. Yeah, the hotel. Oh, a ghost. Ghost. <laughs> ghost. Carl, take it easy. There's just it's just white seats over the. Oh, I see Casper. It's they're, they're sitting... Wait, are they sitting Shiva? You, you know, know we... recently for the first time ever, I sat Shiva, and it really wasn't so bad. It was. I mean, little couple shivers but yeah, it wasn't right. too cold yeah, it was, the weather was fine turns it into like not casablanca. casablanca but the set of casablanca this is where mr bogart would sit right it's the movie set yeah which okay. reminds me of carl, our, carl um, look there's a time traveling maga guy you see the guy in the red hat in the background yeah he's a mat he's, he's staring his... right into this guy he doesn't move Make he knows America they're shooting great. Look, he's he went to the future to stare down Tom Hanks. You brought COVID into the world. I'm gonna get you, Tom Hanks. I tried to travel to the set of Blazes and Monsters. He doesn't move. He's the one of the weirdest, like it's real life New York, right? Yes. This guy sees her shooting this thing. He stops so cold in his tracks 
and he looks right in his little beady eyes, right into the camera, right into me watching it. And Creepy. says, I am from the future, and only you know it watching yeah. 2022. I don't really like how he's walking around like, what, what? I think you should I just know. see the towers and then be focused on getting to them. We saw him walking around like that at night in Times Square. Okay, that's cool. And then during the day right. in downtown, okay, yeah, well, whatever. Now he knows, yeah. right. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a scary place. He has his direction. He knows where he's heading. So he shouldn't. Okay, so now they're going to figure it out. The Two Towers is that Tolkien book. That's how they're going to. He doesn't oh, right. mean the book. He means the, the Twin Towers. And Hall, he means his missing brother. Missing brother. Yeah, he told me that, like, in the before the first before the first commercial break that his brother <laughs> ran away. Why did you tell me? You know what? I don't know. I was getting ready for Carson. I, I wasn't thinking. Oh, no, this <laughs> is CBS. What was they do do a little snapping at each other in this scene, and, and we almost had the opportunity to have some emotion. Well, because are they dating now? Who's, I mean, are they seeing each other, Daniel and Katie? Yes. Yeah. Ooh, Batman logo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's for some Canadian punk band. <laughs> like, there's shots in New York, and then there's shots where I'm sure it's not. Yeah, look how many cabs there were back then. No Ubers. Oh, follow that cab. Manhattan really does still have the appearance, just not as many cabs, but there's enough. Like instead enough, of eight, yeah. there's only seven, but it's only okay. five. You know, it's still prominent. Sure. And you do step onto the street, put your hands up. It's quicker than an Uber. Oh, there they the are. Towers. Uh, stare at them while you can, folks. Ah, uh, the Twin Towers. Yes. Uh, now it's that's gonna the be one... twenty more years they're gonna stand here. No, isn't one uh what is the parking spot? I love it. Just right leave it right there, the right parked right, right in front of the tower. <laughs> <laughs> You're just jealous. They have NYP yeah, perfect they have, spot. They have NYP plates, they're from New York Press. They can park now, anywhere. I went here with a co-worker from Pakistan, and he was making the joke, I not terrorist. It was 1999, and the terrorist uh, bombing had happened in the basement. In the with basement. The cars. Yeah. yeah. So we thought it was funny. Who knew? Oh, by the way, when you get into this elevator, you do feel your stomach, you know, butterflies. You do feel like there is nothing. Roof closed. Yeah. You see that sign? Yep. That means the roof is closed. Right. That it's means. There's only one tower you could go into, right? As a tourist, it's not open to the public. Both no, there's towers. only one tower you can go to. Yeah, right. The roof, the roof, the roof is closed. We don't give a damn. Let the motherfucker be closed. Because Corgons and Gylalaxes and Gylalax. Gylalax was a. I I remember catching that was a rare Pokemon. Okay, we gotta go. We gotta go. Uh, that'll be fifteen dollars a head. Yeah. All, right. Uh, All right, we like him, but he'll come yeah. down. <laughs> excuse, excuse me, pardon excuse me, pardon me. me, excuse me, businessman from the eighties. See, like in this scene, like they should be like rushing through, pushing right. people over. We've got to save him. Hey, get out! Hey, I'm Mr. Wall Street. Don't you can't do that to me. Right. 
Oh, it's so sad. I Well, he's not down here. Let's go back up. It's a dumb right. thing in the film. We'll go up, then we'll go down, and we'll go up. There, yeah, he is. there he is. And he can't hear us, even though he's right there. It's a good thing we came to no school trip day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier. It's a lot, lot less crowded. All these escalators. A lot of people coming and going. Look, the line stops when they're done with the scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no one else going to the escalator. I'm taking oh, going up. Where's he going? Where do you think? He's going down or up. Thank God we found an escalator. Elevator. Oh, it's filled up. It must have every floor. Finally. Oh, not more people. They get on before they let the people out. That's that's New York City for you, right? Well, they're all going up, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, right. The 80, they 90th floor. Oh, can this building be any shorter? Finally. And that's only open to the public in one tower. Oh, yeah, the line. Ticket. I hate my job. <laughs> <laughs> Roof Whoa, closed. No closed. one's gonna allow to go. Hey, there he is, dumbass. Dumbass. Now we'll hear the alarm. Okay. It's gotta be here somewhere. Right, there's the alarm. The door. There's no security. The door isn't locked. It breaks my heart. I remember the observatory floor. This is not an escalator. It's stairs. Oh, this is the businessman's escalator, which makes the working man walk up the flight of stairs. We don't spend our electricity on you workers. Yeah, look at this. Holy shit. Yeah. Now, you should be on the other side of this fence, perilously heading to the edge. There's a, I don't know if you noticed, there's a continuity gap. There's a, you can see a Frenchman on the other building. <laughs> About to throw a rope over. With a big, uh, what do you call that, pole? The pole. But is this, how did they shoot this? Tom Hanks was not climbing over the Let's listen, because he breaks down. Oh, this is the best scene. Game. Game. Look at this. He's an actor. Teacher, what am I doing here? Dave, why can't I remember? I don't know. Is that good acting or stupid acting? No, it's great acting. He he changed. He uh, you actually believe he uh, went through that experience. Yeah, and it's grounded. His voice is grounded. Well, it's whiny. Right. Uh, group hug. This is going to be the one photo in the back of a DVD cover selling this movie. Look at the director pushing. Yeah, and commercial. Oh, wait. Now, this is suddenly a voiceover by the... I don't uh, know how good it feels to be finally writing my novel. Writing your yeah, novel. Katie, <laughs> how loud are they talking that they could hear it outside the car? Playing the game and how the our and I was so, scared, but I'm not scared. Did anymore. you know Katie was a novelist? Maybe Nora Roberts, uh, Jaffe in, in uh, Proxy. Did you realize that she was trying to write a novel? Theater arts department is in for a 
real shock. So she's going to write the book, Mazes and Monsters. And she's going to narrate the end of this documentary, even uh, documentary, this documentary, even though she <laughs> wasn't the narrator up front. Right. We haven't had that the whole thing. Now right. we're doing an epilogue. It all began when my friend JJ went to his fancy home. going to be okay. Maybe be back next semester. Right. So, okay. So he's, he's taken off the bench. He's done. They, yeah. They, yeah. And he's back home and home is this place right here. In I don't know, uh, Equestrian County. I guess it's New York State. I don't know. Could be Canada. There's Drinky Mom. She's so drunk she doesn't have a glass of wine in her hand in the scene. That's how drunk she is. <laughs> she doesn't need it. She's already soused. Right. Oh hi! I oh hi. Breath right, I recognize you for the phone. You smell great with don't light a match around her breath. That water pup, stay away. Okay, he's great, he's by our private lake. I want you guys to know because you weren't even thinking of it that I don't blame you for dragging my son back into the game. That's the weird thing. Like in the beginning of the movie, the audience, we find out that he previously had a bad D and D game and that's where he told his mom not to do it. Yeah. I don't think these characters even know. So right. at the end of the movie, for the audience's sake, he says, I don't blame you. You didn't know. They didn't know. The characters didn't know. We know. So for the story, it ties up nicely. But okay. There was no tension there. Like, you know, don't let him play that game. You know, then later on, I told you not to. I'm not mad. I don't know. I think yeah, it, it is what it is. And I understand that it's a TV movie. I just think there were a few missed opportunities. And I think I've beaten this horse to, horse to death. These kids should realize something's wrong when they went by Rod Sterling setting up a shoot. <laughs> so it now is. their smiles yeah, drop. Stop playing it around. Is you free like you have been restored to the living? Whoever did that is a great... He thinks he's Freelick, who you remember died because he didn't use his sonar or something. Right. Like yeah. Now, so he's, many yeah. people charge for their licks, but no, no, this guy, he's Freelick. Freelick. I think that's a good way to end this movie. All right. So they realize he's he's still in, nothing's really changed except he has, he's home. But they love him. And they want to be with him, so they're yeah. going to spend the rest of the afternoon with him. And then we'll hear a voiceover from her finishing up her novel. Oh, yeah. Here's my bloody knife from the crime I got away with. Well, that's the coin. Like, every night he pays the innkeeper for the night's stay. And in the morning, the coin's back in his... Right. It's the eternal coin or something yeah. like that? Yeah. It's his mom saying, free essentially. Well, you know, uh, we don't hear the mom saying he thinks he's paying for this. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, and then, nice lake, nice man made pond. They're talking about the enchanted forest, and there's some there. Right. So, whatever. They, they drove all this way. They're not going to leave them. Well, they play along and they go on one last. Adventure, I think it was. Right, well, on the voiceover. I'm only playing this so I can hear the voiceover. Yeah, Daniel. Look, now he's, he's like, changed. He parts I his am hair. The game master. 
Maze Master. What is it? Maze Controller. 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 You're not a master. You control. You don't mass. You control. Right. It's not a dungeon. It's a, a maze. You enter. Hi. Hi. He doesn't say I. He's the maze controller. And listen, he's a great actor. This is the reason why he was so successful in soap opera. <laughs> you feel the emotion in that. And then they all walk to the bottom of the lake. I haven't been beyond this ridge, but the paths to the forest. That is so loud. And so, here we go. We played the game again. And so, one last time. As I was saying, or dice, or no monsters. Hard you saw the monsters. We did not. Ah. We saw nothing but the death of hope and the loss of our friend. What? And so we played the game until the sun began to set. Bittersweet. All the monsters were dead. The end. Or is it? Bittersweet. Oh, it's the end of season one of Mike Spiegelman's new streaming terror, the movie remake of... Oh, wait, the, wait. So she gets a credit. And uh, one interesting thing is that Tom McScarrett, or whatever the guy's name is, who produced it... Yeah. His production company, and you'll see here, see Hagwood... Yeah, party idol song. They're friends in this world that play D and D. Eminem, who built David Graham, who casted Tom Hanks. Whoop de doo. Yeah, whoop de doo. I he was a young he, His show was just got kicked off the air after thirty eight episodes, and I thought, why don't I try? So McDermott Company. It's owned by, and you'll see it in the credit, Procter and Gamble Productions. Wow. So talk about soap opera. Talk yeah. about something, some product to sell soap. This is it. See, look, a production of McDermott Productions in association with Procter & Gamble Productions. So flat out, it's out to sell shit, you know. Now, Procter & Gamble has a controversy with satanic symbol on its products. Right. That's true. Yeah. 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 So, of course, they're the Dragon supporters. And a Girl. bittersweet ending. What do you think of this movie? I thought it was okay. I thought it was flat. I think it was interesting to see New York at that time. Interesting to see Tom Hanks in a sort of junior, you know, place in his career. Right. It was, uh, it was worth watching. It was okay. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I do remember that moment because I was a huge Bosom Buddies fan. And I've always been a fan of Tom Hanks. Uh, and afford him privacy, I think, is what the best thing i don't really care but he uh he was funny and in this movie he really kind of adds to it and i have to give it up to wendy carlson the who uh -huh. played katie too i think she really made this film happen and the other two were great in it and uh but i, I remember it being a thing so it was cool to see again yeah but i don't you know it's a completest thing if you want to see this tom hanks movie you're not going to be disappointed but you don't have right to. yeah uh well I had mentioned next week's movie. Oh, we have one chosen? Yes, we have one chosen, Carl. And I brought it up in the movie. It's Skullduggery from 1982. Wow. Uh, Wendy Carlson also uh, appeared in another Dean Trailer, movie. Skullduggery, 1982. I got to write trailer because I don't see one. Uh, uh, the 1970 Skullduggery no. theatrical trailer? 1983, 82. Okay, let me... And, oh, I did put that in. 
Uh, yeah. There, well, no, I guess this is probably the full movie. It's an hour 30. It's a full movie. All right. Well, it's uh, it's not supposed to be good, Carl. It's supposed to be really, really bad. But thank you. I really appreciate that. No, I mean, like, the description in IMDb is Adam starts killing a bunch of people for some reason. <laughs> for some reason. That's the plot synopsis. Uh, it's not good. But, hey. Okay. Uh, yeah. We'll see it's it. so bad. There's no trailer. Well, wait. I think I hear a trailer. I'm going to go ahead and begin with closing credit. Three, two, one. Carl Lorimar presents rattling of 20-sided dice. Wait, wait, wait. You're doing a trailer for the next film? Yes, Goldugger. It's also a Dungeons & Dragons film? It is. And it also stars Katie. And she works at a store with Adam. Okay. They play D&D after hours. And he starts killing people. Okay. We'll see what happens. All right. Uh, the trailer. There are the skulls, but don't dig. Do you dare dig the skulls? No, it's skull juggery. Rated R. Rated R. I need skulls, man. Carl Lorimar picture presents skull duggery. Did he say skull duggery? What's skull duggery? Quick, get a dictionary. It's yeah, right. Is it really the same company? No, it's not. Oh, okay. I just want to. I just want to give a shout out before we wrap up. We are wrapping up, so come join us next week. Next Sunday, we'll be watching Skull Duggery, uh, also starring Katie uh, from Mazes and Monsters uh, from '82. We'll be watching her next film, which is also D and D. I'm on the case. All right, yeah, and uh, we want you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our podcast and also uh, check out Mini Radio. Uh, there'll be some shows coming up uh, at 8 o'clock tonight, and then tomorrow there's a, a live comedy show. So it's all on our website. Carl, thanks so much. Audience, thank, thank you so you. much. We'll see you guys next week. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Man. Let's watch a full-length Movie on YouTube with Mike Man. It's been over one long year Watching movies bad, strange and weird Commandeered by Michael German strudels. You should follow me on Twitter. It's Jokes to Carl. Uh, that's the French duh, not the Now let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Michael Don't stop the clock.
I started watching the walking videos during the first lockdown. The initial fascination was the empty streets. Normally busy areas like Piccadilly Circus or the South Bank completely empty of the life that used to fill them. When the lockdowns began to lift, the attraction was in watching people returning to those same streets, and now it's in the opportunity to witness street life in all corners of the globe. London, yes, but also New York, Tokyo, Barcelona, Seoul. These days, you name pretty much any city, and someone in it will have strapped a GoPro to themselves and took to the streets. I just tried it for Lagos, Nigeria, and sure enough, yep, someone's done it. Buenos Aires? You got it. Want to walk alongside the Ganges in Varanasi? You can. It isn't just the great world cities, either. If you want, you can take a virtual walk around Macclesfield, or Yeovil, or Halifax, whether in Yorkshire or Nova Scotia. You can even have a look around my manor in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, if you like. Why, today, of all days, am I writing about the walking videos? Well, partly because it seemed appropriate given Saturday's entry on my blog, Wrestling Emily Dickinson, which concerned a video someone had taken walking part of the length of The Queue, which snaked from Westminster Hall all the way to Southwark. And partly because these videos tell us a truth about city life which we won't see in footage on the news of London today, with the normal business of city life still this time not because of a virus that threatens all humanity, but in order to cosset the grief of a single absurdly powerful family, the normally active, milling crowds replaced with a passive audience watching a single coffin be escorted to Westminster Abbey. And I don't use the word cosset lightly. One of the most heartening things about watching someone walk part of the length of the queue on Saturday was watching as it got away from the display of roided-up security theatre in Westminster and started snaking along the opposite side of the river where all the usual overpriced bars and allegedly artisanal food trucks were still hawking their wares, and where people outside of the queue were enjoying the riverside as they would on any other sunny summer night on the South Bank. And that is one of the lessons about grief I learned from having to watch all the Jubilee celebrations going on while I was mourning the death of my mother back in May. It's what every normal person who grieves has to deal with. The outsized popularity of Auden's Funeral Blues is owed mostly to its inclusion in Four Weddings and a Funeral, but there is a reason Richard Curtis chose it for that film. Nothing is more human than the urge to stop the world from turning in our grief. That urge is understandable, but it is also right and proper that the world frustrates the urge. Life does go on. As Auden observed in his better, far less lachrymose Musée de Beaux-Arts, the greatest truth about our personal suffering is that it happens while others are eating or opening a window or just walking dully along, and that even those who are witness to the tragedy 
such as in the painting by Bruegel to which Auden refers, the expensive, delicate ship that must have seen something amazing, a boy falling out of the sky, or, one thinks, a queue of people stretching from Parliament to Southwark Park, have somewhere to get to and sail calmly on. Unless those who happen to be grieving happen also to have the surname Windsor. There are lots of things I object to about the monarchy. They are an institution which represents the worst evils in the world, and are personally guilty of many of those evils themselves. They are the beneficiaries of privilege, private law in its most literal sense. Elizabeth Windsor interfered in over 1,000 laws to prevent them affecting her via the Queen's consent process. A lot of that interference was motivated by a desire to protect her wealth, a protection she very generously extends to her friends among the ultra-wealthy, like that nice Mr Epstein, via the network of Crown Dependencies, aka tax havens or secrecy jurisdictions, over which she, until very recently, presided, and over which her son, Charles, now presides. But another thing I object to about the institution of the monarchy is how badly it deforms the people who belong to it. We are going to see a lot of evidence of how deformed, psychologically, those people can get in the reign of Charles Windsor, if his inability to tolerate leaky pens is any indication. And one of the reasons why they become so warped as individuals is because of days like today, when, uniquely of all families in the UK, of all families in the world, the Windsors are allowed to do the very things Auden's funereal poem lists as examples of the absurd and overreaching desires of grief, and to bring a stop to the business of ordinary ongoing life he writes about in Musée de Beaux-Arts. The traffic policemen may not quite wear black cotton gloves, but they are out in force on the streets of the capital today, along with members of every branch of the armed services and, no doubt, many plainclothes SIS operatives, all acting in concert to ensure no peal of mocking laughter or cry of accusation is allowed to spoil the officially mandated national mood. The shops are shut, with a few noble exceptions. I shan't name the branch of Subway, which was my only option this morning, for fear of sending royalist reprisals their way, but I am pathetically grateful in the way only a fat person in receipt of a greasy breakfast can be that they chose to stay open. Roads are closed, and radio stations are strictly adhering to the two mandated playlists of Mood 1, Sad Music, and Mood 2, Saddest Music. Every news broadcaster local to this country, and even Al Jazeera English, who are usually my go-to when the rest of the news is full of royal weddings, broadcast the funeral. The most important of grief's lessons is that the world doesn't share in your grief. That is something which those in the queue who were grieving, as opposed to those who came out to gawp in the tradition of the London mob, were brought face to face with on Saturday night. That is something I had to face up to when I sat outside a pub in Tynemouth, covered in jubilee bunting, crying over the death of my mother. And it's a lesson which heaven and earth will be moved to protect our pampered royals, and you do not live to 96 
without some heavy pampering, whatever sycophants might say about the late Mrs. Windsor's selfless service, from ever having to learn. Musée de Beaux-Arts About suffering, they were never wrong, the old masters. How well they understood its human position. How it takes place while someone else is eating or opening a window or just walking dully along. How when the aged are reverently, passionately waiting for the miraculous birth, there always must be children who did not specially want it to happen, skating on a pond at the edge of the wood. They never forgot that even the dreadful martyrdom must run its course anyhow in a corner, some untidy spot where the dogs go on with their doggy life and the torturous horse scratches its innocent behind on a tree. In Bruegel's Icarus, for instance, how everything turns away quite leisurely from the disaster. The ploughman may have heard the splash, the forsaken cry, but for him it was not an important failure. The sun shone as it had to on the white legs disappearing into the green water, and the expensive delicate ship that must have seen something amazing, a boy falling out of the sky, had somewhere to get to, and sailed calmly on. Baby Blues Barbecue, OMG, and the Alameda Comedy Club, as well as Emperor Norton's Boozeland and... Yep, it's um, it's Tuesday. It is. I've checked the calendar. It's Tuesday. It's six o'clock. It's it's time for Bug House Square. Hey, welcome. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've been hearing his name all over the land. Hey, this week on Buckhouse Square, I've, uh, I got no themes, man. After last week, God, that was, man, if you missed that show, go back and do it. That that was uh, awesome. That was a 45 show that, um, I'm going to find that person that I got those records from and thank them. And, uh, but, uh. Yeah, that, but they're not saying that uh, tonight's not going to be good, because it is. I've got uh, a nice chunk of records. Not much to talk about. Uh, there's, there's plenty of things to talk about, but yeah, we'll see. And that's it. So thanks for doing what you got to do to do. This is Bug Out Square and Mutiny Radio. Stormy days, we'd pass the time away. Sleeping in some good warm place Man come along and we give him a little race Was that a vigilante man? Preacher Casey was just a working man And he said, unite all you working men 
strange man was that a vigilante man
Listen to 